Amen. Well, God is good. So good. So, so good. And we're just going to come to his word right now. And let's just pray before we get into this. Just open your hearts up because, you know, there may be different things that the Lord wants to speak to different ones. But no matter what the preaching is like, it needs to be combined with good hearing. Receptive soil, you know, open, open hearts. And so I just want to encourage you just to open your heart and just... We just want to pray, Jesus, will you speak to me what you want to speak to me? And God, that's what we pray we'll hear this morning. God, beyond just a uh, constructed message, if you like, beyond the sound of the voice of a guy in a pulpit, we pray that you will speak to us what you want to say. And Lord, we just welcome that. And we thank you no matter what it is. God, we know it's good because you're good. And so, Lord, our heart is open and ready this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Well, we're going to continue with our series, uh, No Holding Back. And uh, last two weeks, I've been, as I've prayed for the church, um, I've just felt that uh, God give me two verses in the last two weeks in our Tuesday prayer meeting. And uh, two often quoted verses, two well-known verses. And I just felt God say to me, and then in turn ask, uh, wanted me to ask us, the church family, this question, do you believe it? Do you believe it? And so one of those verses is Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Well known, often quoted, but you know sometimes when something is so well known and often quoted, you need to just hit the pause button and go, I know I know it, but do I believe it? And so it says this, I would love you to read this with me this morning, okay? But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added given to you. Would you turn to the person next to you this morning and say, do you believe it? What are all these things? Well, you know, you may well um, be very familiar with Matthew chapter 6 and all these things is written in the context of Jesus talking about the needs that we have and the needs that we feel in life. You know, in the run-up to this verse, Jesus is teaching exactly about that, the needs of life. How many people know that need is a very powerful, driving, motivating force? When you feel the need, I'm talking beyond the want, when you feel the need, it's a very powerful, motivating, driving force. That's why when we turn on the news and we see families in war-torn countries who need food, who need a better future, walking crazy miles and going through you know, really scary situations because the sense of need is driving them on. How many people know not only is need a powerful driving, motivating force, but when you feel you need something, how many people like me find it takes up their thoughts, it takes up their time, it takes up their focus, attention, energy, and effort when we feel there is a need. It's amazing how when my kids, quote, need something, they suddenly want to wash my car. Not so much the older ones now, they've kind of got beyond that. But when Jake needs something, he suddenly becomes very helpful. Is there any jobs I can do? Is there any dishwashers that need emptying? Is there any cars that need washing? And uh, do you ever have that thing where you're like, yeah, you can wash my car. And then when it's washed, you look at it and you go, that's really good. Thanks so much. But he feels the need and so he wants to do the job. And so he feels stirred by 
that need? Well, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is actually, he mentions some very legitimate needs. He mentions shelter. He mentions uh, food. He mentions clothing. How many people know that we need all three of those things? Too right we do. And because we have that need, it motivates us and drives us to do the things that we do, go out, work, etc. Um, prioritize time, effort, energy, etc. They're some legitimate needs in our life. But actually, there's an undergirding principle in Matthew chapter 6, which I want us to apply to our life. The point is really simply this. We seek what we feel we need. We seek what we feel we need. We are a room full of seekers today. In fact, you might even say we're a room full of needy people. We're all seeking different things driven, motivated by a sense of need. Now, that might come in many different guises. Like I said, we've touched on a few here, but some people, I, I feel the need for affection is driving them on. It's affecting their, their decisions, their thoughts, the way they the need for approval, the need for love, the need for relationship, the need for finance, the need for health, the need for employment, the need for a home, the need for a car, the need for a holiday. What we find is that any of those needs, and I'm not, I'm not slamming them all, so I don't think he's, he's getting real heavy in the pulpit today. I'm not saying that. I'm simply teaching us something we already know, which is that any need we feel in our life has the ability to consume our thinking. Verse 32 um, in, in says just before, verse 33, there's a revelation for you. Wow, powerful stuff today, Daryl. Uh, for the Gentiles, that just means the unbelievers, seek after all these things, after the needs of life, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Now, that word seek in the Greek means this, that there, is a, there are needs in our life which cause us to search for them and wish for them and crave them and desire them. And we seek them with might and stress and, and sweat. And that might be some of the material things I saw about. That might be approval. That might be affection. That might be love. It might, whatever it might be. It might be health. And we search for it, go after it, crave it, desire it. But Jesus teaching us here that when we focus really on our need that need can begin to take over in our life. Um, Tim quoted this quote that Janet read to him um, just before we got together on Wednesday night for Fast Forward, and it just kind of was so in line with what I felt God say now. I'm just going to re-quote it. Brother Lawrence said this, what consumes your mind controls your life. What consumes your mind controls your life. In other words, it's influencing every decision, the way I'm looking at every situation. And so much so that in the run-up to this verse, Jesus actually talks about what you might call induced anxiety. Repeatedly, he talks about anxiety. Anxiety brought on by a sense of need. That this is what I need, and I feel anxious unless I find the fulfillment of what I feel I need. And so I stress about it, and I worry about it, and, and I'm kind of searching some kind of peace in the midst of this because I'm anxious because this is what I feel I need. But then Jesus says in verse 33, there's an answer for life's true needs. There's a cure for anxiety. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things, the needs of life, will be added or given unto you. You see, if I don't actually begin to believe that my greatest need is Jesus, 
and that my greatest need is to put him, quote, first, actually, I end up holding things back. I hold myself back because Jesus says here, I'm the answer. He says here, I'm the solution. I'm the provision for what you need. And so if we don't recognize him as our greatest need, actually, the very things that we're searching for are being held back, friends, because they're realized in Jesus. They're found in Jesus, through Jesus. And Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. And all these other things, all these needs that you're searching for, some of which you are anxious about, Jesus is like, I'm going to take care of that. Now, the challenge is, this is real easy stuff to preach. Do you believe it? Do I believe it? That there's something in this, in putting Jesus first, and that if I do, actually all my life's deepest and truest needs will be met by putting him first. My greatest need is him. Do I believe that the answers and solutions and provision are in the kingdom? They're with the king, Jesus. Do I believe my greatest need is to develop and deepen my relationship with Jesus because he meets all my other needs? Do I believe that actually my relationship with him will release what I really need? Do I believe that it will release me from a place of anxiety into a place of peace? And Jesus says, this is really an invitation from me to you to allow me to provide all you truly need to actually come into a place where you can swap that sweating, striving, stressing about the answers and the solutions and the provision and just receive them. And that actually, my relationship with him can bring me out of a place of those things that I'm anxiously looking for in life into a place of liberty and freedom. That word, but, is crucial because Jesus cuts right across it and just says, but, there's all this in life, but seek first the kingdom. It's a conditional thing. There's a guarantee, a promise that is coming from Christ, the king of the kingdom, that if we put our relationship with him first and we begin to think and live and act kingdom. He's going to take care of our needs. But it's really an invitation. It's, re it's, it's requiring a response from me. I have to seek him first. I have to seek his righteousness. So what does practically believing this verse really mean? Well, number one, I want to say this. If I believe this verse, I need to make Jesus top of my list of priorities. If you've got a pen or if you're on a digital Bible, I encourage you just circle that word first, first, but seek first the kingdom, not seek second or third or fourth, but seek first the kingdom. It comes from a Greek word proton and that word first there has two meanings. It means for Christ and his kingdom to be first in the sense of order. You know how we order our priorities in life. So it's carrying that clear connotation, that clear idea that, that 
Jesus is number one, as it says there, on a list of things. There's a lot of things in life that need to be done. But it's the idea that someone or something is number one on a list. They are first in time or place. Second meaning of the word first is to be in the sense of something being chiefly important. Most prominent, holding the highest place of affection. And so when you bring those two definitions together, this is where we get this sense that Jesus is saying seeking the kingdom is to be the top priority of my life. And so it's really actually learning as I look at my life to just be saying, you know what, God, is there anything in my life that you're coming second to? Is there anything in my life that actually is pushing you down the list? Is there anything or anyone else? And this phrase, seek first, is written in a present and continuous tense. In other words, it's a question that every day as believers we have to ask ourselves. God, are you number one? Are you top of the list of my priorities? God, is there anything in my life that you're coming second place to? Or anyone in my life that you're coming second place to. Every day learning to focus on Christ. Because practically, if, if I believe this verse is true, then I look to God and his kingdom first. First. For everything I need. The New Living Translation says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Another version says, make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Make the kingdom of God your primary concern. You know, I've really felt God challenging me. Do you believe this verse? And so the application of that in my life has been that actually I've just felt God challenging me through my day. And practically I'm trying to apply this, you know, in any given situation, what am I reaching for first? Who am I going to first? What am I doing first? And I'm just trying to catch myself thinking like that this week. And so some examples. Um, I, I suffer um, quite a lot with some crazy migraines. Um, Beth started to get the same thing going on in, in her life. And I cannot tell you how many times I've taken migraine tablets. Oh, so many crazy kind of amounts of migraine tablets and I found myself let's just be real from the pulpit I found myself whereby when a migraine come on my first thought was medication my first thought is grab for it now I'm not slamming medication at all please hear my heart I'm not saying that I'm just saying something in my head was saying first thought tablet so when Bev says to me the other day I've got a migraine my first thing is have you taken a tablet before I've even said Let's pray. There's been a, a, a bit of a shift. Can you see what's happened? You know, in, 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 in kind of in preparation, you know, am I, am I first before I begin to sort of sit and prepare the word? You know, in the day God's put something in my am I Am I first each day just stopping and saying, God, do you want to say anything else? God, do you want to do anything else? There's a tough situation that, that I've been part of. Am I seeking God first or am I running to my feelings first? Am I going with my natural way of thinking first? In my day, Trevor taught us about this. Is God first? 
You know, I felt really challenged about that. I just found myself in a little routine where I get up in the morning and, uh, and you know, uh, it's okay to put your deodorant on first, by the way. And, and I put my deodorant on and I go downstairs and uh, I boil the kettle ready to spend some time with Jesus. And I think, I'll just check what's happening in the news. Standing there, God, what's happening in the news? And God's like, am I first? My first thought is, what's happening in the news? My first thought is, what's going on in the world? And God's like, am I first? You see, this verse 33, to seek, it means to hunger and desire and worship God and seek after and aim at and actively pursue and go after him. And I'm not saying this to blow my own trumpet, but because when just this week, I just began to see a shift by just saying, first, first, first. Just before I dive in, before I do anything, stop Jesus first. Before I answer that text with what I want to say, Jesus first. Before I give an answer to that one, hang on, Jesus, what do you want to say? Before I take that tablet, let me just pray first. Before I pray for that person, just dive in. Let me just listen first. You know what? I woke up and I had one migraine tablet left with a migraine and that I one tablet left and I thought Jesus first and I'm not saying this to blow my trumpet because it, it's not always panned out but I just laid my hands on my head prayed for myself and God took my migraine away and it's just like God just teaching me a little something it's not I'm keeping it real it's not always panned out like that but it, it's just like God was just teaching me first Is God first? First in our life, first in our marriage, first in our finance, first in our decision making, etc., etc. It's a type of seeking here that says, I realize I need God. The Greek lexicon defines it as seeking in order to find, to aim at or strive after, to go look for, to go after and, and search for. But it rests upon me. Have you ever, you know, when your kids play hide and seek? And sometimes they, you know, like they get involved, our kids get involved with a, a game with their sort of little cousins who are that much younger. And so they go and find themselves really good, uh, you know, the older ones hiding places. But then the little ones, they're like, they have a quick look and they're like, I ain't doing that anymore. And so like, and then we just like leave them. And then eventually after a while, a game of hide and seek gets boring if no one's seeking you. You know, and they come back. And it's like God is hidden in every day, but he's waiting for a people who are going to go seek him. It only works if we intentionally go after him. It's an invitation to find him in every day. It's an invitation in those worrying and anxious and need-filled situations to hear God saying, I'm here to be found. Find me in this. Never forcing us, but always inviting us. I, I remember using this illustration once before, but it bears kind of, it's worth, sorry, I should say, using again. Um, that I remember when I used to go to my dentist, Mr. Bird, he was a great dentist, and uh, I used to go to Mr. Bird, and uh, when I laid in the chair and I looked up, he had a giant Where's Wally poster on the ceiling. And uh, I don't know if anyone else went to Mr. Bird or if anyone else remembers that Where's Wally poster, but I remember it with great fondness. And I used to lay on this chair as a boy and look up at this Where's Wally poster, and while he'd done all that he needed to do, you know, I'm looking to try and find uh, where's Wally on the poster. Well, John Ortberg wrote a book about pursuing God called God is Closer Than You Think. And in America, they don't call it where's Wally. They call it where's Waldo, right? Where's Waldo? 
And he, so he used it to illustrate how seeking God is like that. And he said this, where is Waldo? Why doesn't he show himself plainly? Why does he hide his face? He is not absent, but he is elusive. He is Wallace Abscontitis, the Waldo who hides himself. He is on every page of your life, but you must look for him. Let every day, every moment of your life be another page. Look for him. Find him. God is there. Proverbs 8, 17, a few scriptures, and I'm going to give you my next two points just quickly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. Deuteronomy 4, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Jeremiah 29, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Luke 11, verse 9 through to 10, seek and you will find. The one who seeks finds. Hebrews 11, verse 6, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So Jesus never said it's wrong to have needs. The question is, where does my seeking of needs come on my list of priorities compared to my relationship with Jesus? Because if they consume thought, time, energy, and effort, God is get, can get pushed down the list. Anyone else ever felt like they've got something on their mind, something going through their mind, and at a time like that, someone says, can you do this? And you will say something like this in reference to, I just don't have time for that right now. I'm a bit busy at the moment. And so we learn to prioritize stuff at the expense of other stuff. But Jesus says, here's the danger, here's the kicker. A sense of need in your life can actually cause that to happen in your relationship with me. All the worries, cares, demands, anxiety, needs of life. I don't just have the time for Jesus right now, the mental capacity, the energy to invest in this relationship. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he'll give you everything you need. The message version, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions, don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. What an awesome thing that Jesus is literally saying, if you can't just concentrate on me and let me concentrate on what you need. So good. He wants to meet the need. I never let my kids wash my car for things they need. They can wash it for things they want. But I never say to him, you're not getting any dinner unless you're washing my car. <laughs> You'll be pleased to know. No, you're not getting that clothes. You can, you can wear those shoes till they hurt your feet unless you wash my car. None of that. I'm their dad. I love them. They never wash to earn the dinner. I love them and want to take care of them. And Jesus says exactly that. When he's first, our needs will be added. This is a, actually, it's a beautiful word. That word added means, it just means laid beside. It means this, as you walk through life, and you're coming into those situations, rather than stressing and sweating and feeling anxious about this need that you feel, Jesus just says this, as you go through life with me first, I'm just going to come along. I'm just going to lay beside you what you need. And so you just go through life and you just say, thank you, God. That's exactly what I need. By the grace of God, I pick it up and take it into this situation. I find the provision. I just learned to walk through life. From <gasps> God's just like, in my grace, I'm just laying beside you everything you need. Rather than expending all my energy 
God makes me a promise. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. People think making Jesus is restricted and making him number one is restricting. Friends, it's liberating. You will be held back if you don't make him number one. Last two things, and these points are a lot shorter. If I believe this verse, I need to make Jesus then the focus of my priority. uh, Sorry, the focus of my activities. If the kingdom of God is top of my list of priorities, then everything I'm going to do in my life is somehow going to relate to that. It's going to filter down from that. Somehow it's going to relate to the fact that Christ is king and his position of king in my life. So if I'm working, well, my job's now more than just a job, isn't it? You know, because with the kingdom of God as a priority, it's more than just a place I go to earn a few quid. It's the place where I have an opportunity to share my faith with my colleagues. It's a place where actually I'm able to live and speak in a way that glorifies the king of the kingdom. It's a place where actually, yes, it provides me with money, some of which I can give to the work of the kingdom. And this kingdom principle becomes a guiding principle in my life. Sorry, this kingdom priority. It's directing and focusing my activity. Why do I choose to get out of church rather than stay in bed? Because Jesus is first and the kingdom of God is my priority. Just letting that one sink in. Why do I not get involved in that conversation or go to that place? Come on, say it with me. Because Jesus is first and the kingdom of God is my priority. Why do I watch the way I speak to my wife, my husband, my children, the example I set them? Because Jesus is first and the kingdom of God is my priority. You're getting the impression. Why do I get up early or stay up late or turn off the TV to spend time with Jesus? Because Jesus first, the kingdom of God is my priority. Why do I not dodge the offering but give to the work of God? Because Jesus is first, the kingdom of God is my priority. Why do I choose to serve even though sometimes, to be honest, it would be easier if I didn't? Because Jesus is first, the kingdom of God is my priority. And so it goes on and on and on. And I learn to choose Jesus first, Jesus first, Jesus first. Oh, I might be tired. I might want to stay in my bed. I might not feel like going to church today. I might have had a hard week, etc., etc. But do you know what? I do it because I want him to know he's first and he's my priority. I don't feel like seven. I don't want to stack that chair. I'd rather not do it. But Jesus is first. The kingdom of God is my priority. I've even found myself trying to do that this week, just before I'm going to open my mouth and say something that I know I really want to say to my children the other day, but it could be incredibly inflammatory. It's like, oh, am I first? Stop changing what I'm saying. And actually, the situation panned out far more pleasantly than if I'd have waded in with my natural thinking. Everything is focused on that. Lastly, you'll be pleased to know, if I believe this verse, then I've got to live like Jesus is king. Now, he is king, but I need to live my life in a way that says he is, that shows he is. So he's a priority. It's a priority that becomes a principle that says everything I do is directed and focused upon him. And lastly, I need to live like he's king. What does that mean? It means simply this, that the kingdom of God is simply a life in which God's will, God's word, and God's ways are number one. Where I'm turning my whole life over to the kingdom. I want to surrender and live in obedience to the king, to what he says, to what he asks of me, letting him rule and reign in every area of my life. Because it says, seek first his kingdom and what? And his righteousness. You know it, you've been heard it before it just means I want to be right with God in my character and in the way I act 
The New Living Translation says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I want the way I live, the way I speak, the way I conduct my life to be right. Righteousness is not just a theological term. It's a way of life. God, I want to do things your way. God, I want to do things what's right by you and before you, in my family, in my marriage, in my friendships, in my finance, in my times, in my problems, in the midst of those temptations, when I'm at home, in church, in my job, in my business, in my lifestyle, just turning it over to Jesus and saying, you rule, you reign. Let your rule, let your power, let your influence touch every area of my life. Reign in position, reign in priority, reign in activity, reign in the way I live. The New Century Version says this, seek first God's kingdom and what God wants. Then all your other needs will be met as well. What a great question to learn to ask every day. What? What? What does God want? I'm in this different this situation, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to say? God, what's your will? What's your, what do you want me to do? In my family, in my marriage, etc. In my job, in my everyday, in that difficult situation. Matthew 6, verse 33 says these words, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added will be given to you. I have a very simple question for you today. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing. God, we thank you for what you're saying. And God, I think, do you believe it? Lord, for all of us, that probably kind of, well, that's probably when we walk out of here, really. And our week begins um, tomorrow. It's living it out. It's practically doing it. But, but God, we just, I really pray that in my life, in my brother's and sister's life, that Lord, if in any way you feel second or even lower than that, that God, that would change. Be the number one priority be the focus of our lives and our activity and be the one who we desire every day to live in a way that pleases and honors you. Jesus, be number one. Be first. We pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise God.